0: Welcome to the Benevolent Business Podcast. I'm your host, Hayden Bloomfield, and this week I've sat down with two entrepreneurs that featured on Dragon's Den. Natalie and Rebecca, the directors of to Rome. Just to
1: have that opportunity to write something like that, it felt naughty. It felt like, oh my God, I could do this. I suppose it was mad. And the fact that we did that on Kickstarter
2: initially. Yeah.
1: Weird, and I don't think I even told my mum that I was putting a erotic story in it. She got her bag and she was like, hey. I always thought, Like, my confidence when
2: I'm with Nat is so up.
1: Our lives need to take a real big turn. And Mm. I mean, like, burning it all to the ground and starting (laughs) again. We know what we're putting on the line here, Mm. which it could be that our friendship is destroyed as a result Mm. of this. We knew that. And I was like, okay. All that said, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. No. And that's it. I was about to say, (laughs) I still would never say, don't do it with your friend.
2: (laughs) I do think Tuka's right, though. But, I probably shouldn't do this on this podcast, but I do think... That question back to you, how would you answer it? Yeah.
0: Oh, no one's ever done that. Oh, I was watching Dragon's then. Of course, I'm a huge Stephen Barlett fan. And as soon as Freedom Run came on, I was quite captivated by their, their pitch. I reached out to them and took a bit of time, but eventually we got talking and I took a trip to Manchester. That was a long driving day. Let's get stuck into the conversation. Natalie, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on Benevolent Business. Appreciate your time.
1: Thank You're you. Welcome.
0: Thanks for having us. Oh, Thanks, my pleasure. So first question I want to dive into is when I was doing my research, and it talks about how you two came to be friends and how you met with the sentence debate in sexual politics in a canteen in Salford. Is it Salford or Salford? Salford. Yeah. Salford. So what's the backstory there?
1: Go on, Nat, you go okay, bit, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, uh, we were at university at the time, uh, and it was just one of those scenarios. It's like the canteen tables were really long. There was a bunch of us there. Obviously, everyone's just kind of finding their feet, it was the early days. And I think we were basically either end, weren't we? Mm. And somehow the conversation started erupting. I feel like it almost happened for each of us organically. Sex, sex, sex kind of came. And then it was like this clash in the middle and people just had varying opinions. But from one end of the table, I just remember going, yeah, I think the same as you. And she was like, yeah, me too. And we just had a very... Um, I guess, more open opinion to the rest of the people that are around that table in terms of what sexuality is all about, how we as women, I think, uh, embrace it. Mm. I think, I'm sure there was something around that. I'm sure there was something to do with the fact that we were very much not behind closed doors when it came to talking about it, liking it. Yeah, enthusiastic, Enthusiastic. not fearful, Mm. I would say. And we just found, it was like, I found my my crowd there. I've found the person that gets it out of all these people that are there on an the academic level <laughs> talking about like, no, you know, like this, or just getting really almost sort of uncomfortable in the situation. Rebecca and I at the other end of the table were like, I found someone who really is on my wavelength when it comes to this conversation point. And that's been a real thing that's kept us going, I think. Oh yeah, it's been infused into everything, mm. not just the business
0: yeah well, I mean it's a huge like in in breaking down Free of Rome so there's that huge part of that openness and like as you said being comfortable to express yourself in that manner So I kind of like within that there's that but also of course within Free of Rome there's a huge thing around sustainability and of mm-hmm. course veganism so you're both vegan so was your did you become vegan at the same time or is there a separate story of why are you vegan?
2: Yeah separate story the um, my story is I'll try and make it short yeah. <laughs> um, but I went to a and hopefully this person will watch this I went to a waxing salon I was about to go to Thailand and um, the person waxing me happened to be vegan and she was saying I don't I'm not trying to convert you but you know you can watch these videos and at the time I was a complete meat eater mm. uh, I'd never even thought about going vegan or vegetarian really apart from when I was younger I think everyone has a teenage spate I think that's because The universe is trying to tell you something at that age. And then we discount it and we get older. Um, But um, I thought, I'll probably never watch those. But I've got them now. Uh, It was New Year's Eve. I was on my own because my husband was um, doing a gig somewhere and I had to work. And I was bored and I love New Year's Eve. I love to celebrate, always do. So I probably would have been a bit miserable. Mm. Um, And then all the bangs just started going off and I looked out of um, my bathroom window. Couldn't see anything exciting, no fireworks, just like a frightened bird. And it was just like that. And I thought, right, I owe it to myself. I'm going to have to watch those videos because something's not right. So across the entire universe, well, across the entire earth right now, um, all these loud bangs are going off. For people that think it's fun, and underneath all of that is a load of pain and torture for mm. all the animals underneath it. So, I watched the videos. I started crying. Um, <laughs> my friend texts me. He said, "What's up?" I said, "I'm going vegan." My husband came home. He was like, "What has happened?" I'm going <laughs> vegan. He went, "Oh God! Well, if you are, so am I." Mm, and, that that's and that was it. Very supportive. That was it. Yeah. Um, the next day. It was done, but it was brilliant because it was, I was looking for, I've always been somebody who I would have said has conviction mm. and I felt like I was at a time in my life where I was actually getting a bit lazy mm. and I wasn't sure what I stood for anymore and I wasn't actively looking to find anything, but the fact that the next day that was it, I went from mm. one extreme to the other and I just thought, oh, I've got my conviction back. I'm going to do this. This is not going to be a fad. This actually means a lot. I won't change this, and it? it was just so nice to have that conviction. And then I remember speaking to Nat mm. and being like, "You should go vegan." <laughs> so <laughs> I, I thought about who you'll know yourself. You have friends of a similar mindset, and actually, I think what I probably remembered about you is that you were very um, look from an environmentally friendly yes. standpoint. Mm. You know, plastics, trying to do everything better, that, recycling. Yeah. Nat was way ahead of me on that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking, well, yeah, and obviously, when you go vegan, you know, you want everyone to be vegan, you mm-hmm. do don't try and force them, but you know, you know, your people, you know, you pick your battles, yeah. um, and you were somebody who was open to trying it, that's right. Um, and then actually, because we lived in different countries,
1: yeah, I was living in Australia at the time, and I think that was where my my eyes were open to the whole sustainability thing, and that's it was they were just a little bit ahead of the game on that. So I was already picking up on trying to do my bit environmentally, feeling mm-hmm. like, why, why, yeah, I don't know how I came into thinking about this. It was just always kind of a rumbling under the surface, And especially in Australia, I think they were just starting to show that that was not right. Um, so I was already picking up on this, and when Rebecca kind of told me about this, I had gone through that spate when I was younger of being vegetarian for a long time Mm. because my mum's friend had a pet lamb called Rosie and it used to run up and down the garden like a dog and it would (laughs) chase you and we fed it with a bottle and I remember thinking at that time, I was only about six or seven and I remember going, this is a lamb. And they're like yeah yeah like the lamb that your mum makes for sunday dinner and when i realized that because i never even enjoyed my mum's sunday lamb it was always really <laughs> chewy i mean sorry mum, but she she knew back then i was never ever i was the poster child for that like not a meat eater mm. and so i already knew that and then i hit my teens did the whole you just rebellious or whatever and I, I ate meat again um but then when rebecca came to me with that i was like okay take that on board and I remember us being in Morocco and we had a big debate about it. And it was like, that was a big turning point for us in the business as well. But we were sat on a rooftop and I remember us having a discussion about I don't remember chickens. This. Oh, yeah. Right, we, okay. we were two <laughs> bottles of wine in. I'm, not <laughs> I'm
2: nodding, but I'm like, oh, I'm going to learn yeah, something. Brilliant.
1: <laughs> <me>. Two <laughs> bottles of wine in. I remember we were sat in, it was Darwan we were in. Okay. We were on our own on that rooftop. We spent two weeks, two and a half weeks in Morocco just. Read Hopping
3: <laughs> trying
1: to find ourselves and we were sat there and I remember that conversation and I was like every, every argument you were able to shut it down and I realised then and you said watch conspiracy." and we'll talk about it later mm-hmm. and then that was it and then I did the same went back to Australia my husband at the time I said listen I think this is a good thing he went yeah let's do it and so that was that
3: mm. interesting open
1: minded so. men yeah helps yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, God, thinking now, like when, so my girlfriend and I've been together for four or five years, and when we met, she was vegetarian, I was like, pure carnivore. Mm-hmm. like, I didn't have meat for breakfast, but like, I'd mixed grill was the meal I always had out, <laughs> everything was like, as much meat as possible, I just was obsessed with it, and all I'd think about was, like, and when it came to food, I'd just think about steak, and I wanted it as blue as possible. Like, mm-hmm. I used to joke about the fact that it could still be mooing, and I'd eat it. But
2: That's a very manly thing to say. Yeah, yeah, true. It? Yeah, yeah.
0: And it was someone that I... And I used to say to my girlfriend, like, oh, I'm going to get you eating meat again. You're going to be eating meat again. And when I ever think back on that, I'm like, why the hell did you stick around? Because, <laughs> like, now, I think... If I was going to, like, if I was single and finding a partner, if they ate meat, I'd be pretty uncomfortable about the idea of it. Are you vegan then or vegetarian? No, so I'm vegetarian trying to, like, work towards being as vegan as I can. And a lot of it's just more about learning all things around diet, where I can get all the nutrition from and make Mm -hmm. sure that I look after myself in the process. Mm -hmm. But also the pure laziness and easiness. I live at home with my mum and she does the food shop. And it's very easy to be like... I'll have the vegetarian option. Yeah,
3: yeah,
0: yeah. And also it's just a case of like, milk powders in freaking everything.
3: Yeah. Like it's so Unnecessarily hard. so. Yeah.
0: It's like so many things that don't need to be non-vegan, but they mm-hmm. are just are made mm-hmm. with various dairy products for some strange reason. So I'm trying to be as vegan as I can, and it's the case of when I'm, I guess, responsible for my own shop and live on my own, I would be vegan in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I'm very focused on doing all kinds of different things, and I'm like it's almost a hobby in itself to become vegan, to learn about it. That mm-hmm. I don't think my brain could physically be able to handle another hobby. Yeah. But yeah, and then it was, I was someone I got to know who this guy that was just even more obsessive than me. And he was, what was he? Vegetarian, but I think more vegan. And this was a guy that went from in his 20s like stealing cars, doing every drug under the sun. He's got like a hole in his nose. And, and, but he was so intelligent and a,
3: that's However, <laughs> I was going to say, no, gonna I, say I yeah. he um
0: like he went from being thirty-two stone, drinking like every day, doing drugs every day, stealing cars, and was like, I'm going to have a six-pack in four years, and like all the people around him were like, What are you on so about? So he got his conviction. From so well, so I just yeah. I'd have these conversations with him, and I'd sit and listen, and he would just talk for hours on end because he was had the ability. He could study for hours. Mm-hmm. He, he would just sit there for twelve hours and just read books on philosophy, ancient religions, physics, chemistry. So he was just he was like a qualified nutritionist. He was essentially like almost a buddhist monk but also like some kind of guru in business in mm-hmm. in everything he was just a genius and he would just talk to me about what meat would do as it was processed through your body and how it would affect you and i was like oh, i don't want to eat that stuff anymore love to
2: speak to that guy. Yeah, yeah he's quite i've tried to get him on my
0: podcast and it's just like it sounds fascinating. yeah he's a really interesting guy but uh and like listening to him and then learning and so again coming back to the environment, my business was all around being environmental and sustainable. So I just couldn't justify eating meat, knowing the detriment That's that it's right, yeah. the environment. Yeah. Oh, so you
2: can't say you want thing and, and yeah, exactly.
0: Number, yeah. So then, so now I'm like, talk to my girlfriend. I'm like, we're going to be vegan together one day. Mm-hmm. But so coming back to your story, so you say about you literally went to go for a wax, and <laughs> no, it's not
1: it's not the
2: prettiest stories. It's, yeah, it's not I'm magical.
0: It's just like. That's quite I, an intimate experience and quite can be yeah. quite uncomfortable and it's like oh well, they're yeah. just like I
3: know.
2: are you vegan
0: by the way
3: <laughs>
2: but I don't know how we got onto it but I know I was interested because also the more you talk the less you feel the pain so that's also a good thing um, but I was interested in what she had to say because I'd never had a chance to in such close confinement where we've got nothing else to do now but sit and talk I've never actually spoken to a vegan mm. so I think I mean you'll find this as well, like vegans are often demonized. I remember when I was younger, I remember mm. like my parents and generally the community feeling like they're weird
0: and pushy and to be
2: fair i did <laughs> I did know a vegan back then he was the brother of my uh, neighbor and he was you know mohawk yeah. you know quite frightening looking guy but actually probably one of the most loveliest people mm. um but generally there is a there is a feeling that you know or oh, I say a stereotype that and this is kind of what Frida Rome tries to counteract a little bit, is that all vegans are, you know, the purest of pure mm-hmm. um, you know, hemp loving and sandal wearing. Some are. That's great. But I think if you genuinely want people to come over to veganism, you've got to be able to show the transition. Mm. Yeah. it's not just one you're not going to become one thing you're basically you but you eat more veg you eat more veg <laughs> yes, that's it, that's it. Yeah, you, just exactly. eat veg. you just eat a lot of vegetables and, and you know you're probably going to eat to- tofu that you've never had before yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah I think once you get into veganism it feels easy Yes. Mm-hmm. but it like, does take time but I'm not, I know it's not a podcast
0: about veganism no I'm, I'm always curious to go into it and it's quite interesting because the last Like so, the last three guests now are all around veganism. So a vegan restaurant, a a vegan charity. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting hearing Mm -hmm. and everybody's story of how I always ask, how did you become Mm -hmm. vegan? It's always really different. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear people's different backstories.
2: I think looking back, I could see it coming, but I didn't know it was coming. Mm -hmm. I think I was, I was being roomed for it terrible word Um, but I think I started to look into wanting to eat more vegetables and going Mm. plant based so actually because I'd start cooking like that it wasn't scary so I think Mm. things were and I think age could have had something to do with it Mm. because when you're in your 20s not always but my experience was I was a much harder person in my 20s like I could detach from Farm, farming and just generally animals suffering. I remember I had a friend of mine. She used to be with Peter, and she had such a great heart. And I remember mm-hmm. me hardening because I didn't probably want to let the softer side of me out. And I think as I got past thirty-five, mm-hmm. no, the more nurturing side of me came out. And I think that mm-hmm. was probably how old was I when I went vegan? Trying to think,
1: you would have been younger than that,
2: wouldn't you? Yeah, I think I was. But no, I just, know, I just know, for 30 me, 35. 35's been a big shift in yeah. general. I think I've changed in many ways. Yeah. So get ready for that, if yeah. you Yeah. Know. Mm. You
0: don't look 35, so. no. I, I was, <laughs> When you said 35, I was like, how long have you been vegan then? How, so you, so I, I went vegan... You don't look older than 35. Oh, I'm 40. Yeah,
2: I'm 40, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, So I went, uh, don't put that on. No, you can <laughs> It's great, life begins at 40. Um no complaints uh, (laughs) anyone who's getting there Uh, so yeah I think I I was 2016 I went vegan but because of corona I don't know or covid I know I get told off for calling it corona sorry everyone I know it's just me and you think it's a beer Um, (laughs) but uh, yeah I lose track of how many years it's been
0: Mm. but
2: yeah 2016 is when I went vegan
0: okay so the other side of Freedom of Rome, obviously there's the vegan aspect, but also the erotic novel side. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious as to that journey. And is because, well, from, as I said, like I discovered you two on Dragon's Den and Natalie, you spoke about writing them and saying, yeah. like, I'm going to write these stories. So, mm-hmm. so is it, do you both write them or is it just you Natalie? No, I write them. Okay. I
1: always get Rebecca's input just to, always with everything. We both do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is how we approach the whole business is it's a joint effort with everything. Mm. So I... I mean, when we came up with the concept, it genuinely was just like a harebrained idea to go, I I think this is what I want to do with it. Mm. You know, we we were just discussing spitballing ideas. Rebecca said, we're gonna make a handbag. And I went, and I'm gonna put an erotic story inside. And she was like, I love it. And it was just those, one of those things that somehow it just felt like the right thing to do. And I was always a bit like, I was keen on creative writing, Mm. um, and I'd come from a background in film anyway, so I was always in love with drama and storyline regardless. That was something I had a just a... It was just always inside me. That was my heart. I wanted to do something with creativity. And so I just visualised it. I had this vision of what it might look like to have something like this inside the lining of the bag. And so, yeah, and I, I put my pen to paper and... I didn't find it hard because I think, like Rebecca said, we don't dress ourselves up as being these saintly, you know, sweet, loving, pure people just because we're vegan. Mm. And as we discovered in our own lives about being just women with a bit of a uh, an interest in that area, mm. it was a great opportunity for me to go, I want to do something that's a little bit different. And just to have that opportunity to write something like that it felt naughty. It felt like, oh my god, I could do this, and just see how it goes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it was one of them. We didn't know how it was going to be received. We just thought, surely there's other people like us. If we met the way we did, and had that little bit of a like, yeah,
2: yeah, it didn't um, really, it didn't really matter, did it? Because no. one thing that we've figured out is that if we don't find it fun, it's probably not going <laughs> to work. It's probably mm. not going to happen um, with everything that we do, um, and. So, when that said that, I knew straight away I wanted to buy it, and I, all, I can only work on my own reaction to things. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, because of the way we launched the business, we kind of got to test it. Mm. But I suppose it was mad. And the fact that we did that on Kickstarter initially. Yeah.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, so how, and like, we
2: got nothing of it. Yeah, <laughs> we just got <laughs> nothing of it.
1: Let's how, just do
0: it. How did that go down? Like I, So, when I think of starting a business, you're probably going to talk to your friends, you're going to talk to your family. Mm. and. I don't know what your relationships are like with friends and family, but if it's something that's quite open, but what was the, how did the conversations go of, so, hi, friends and family, I'm going to start, well, we're starting this business together. Oh, by the way, it's vegan handbags. Great. Oh, by the way, there's going to be erotic novels inside. To the be honest, bags.
2: it wasn't the erotic side that they didn't no. like. It was the fact that we were going to make handbags. Yeah. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I don't they think one person that. complained about the work, but most people, because we both had successful businesses before this, mm. or lives, obviously you were a mm. producer. Um, So, what was most difficult, I think, was people going, why are you giving up everything that you had going on before to suddenly start making vegan handbags? And also, at that point, everybody is thinking, who buys vegan handbags? Well, obviously, we're the ones that are vegans, well, we do. Mm. So, we're just making what we want to buy. But I don't think... I think my cousin, actually, after Dragon's Den, because I thought everybody knew, but my cousin did text me, and he did say something we're a yorkshire family so it was something like i do not know you put these mucky stories in bags <laughs> or something like that and then and that. then you started making jokes obviously purdy purses and this type of thing and i was like oh i thought you knew but i i've never we've never really thought no, about I it no i don't think
1: either i i know from my experience i think with my family they are Born and bred, lived down south, never really moved out of the same city. Mm. They've lived there all their lives. And I've been the one that always goes off and does random things. Like I moved to Australia. Mm. They thought, oh, she'll be back. 13 years later, it took me to come back. And then when I did, and I'm like, right, I'm going to start a business with Rebecca. And they were like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, they just never think that I can follow through on something. And then I kind of turn around and next thing they're like, I want one of your bags. So it's (laughs) it's just weird. And I don't think I even told my mum that I was putting a neurotic story in it. I don't remember ever actually revealing any of that to her. It just so happened when we got to this point and it was like she got her bag and she was like, hey, looking inside, just figuring out that this was something we'd done. Yeah. So I think they just kind of took a blind eye to it. I mean, same with the veganism. They looked at me and went, oh, what? You're doing that now? <laughs> they, just, they, just they just kind of expect me to
3: yeah. get on with
1: it, come back when you've either got no money or you want to change again. That's how I kind of go with it. But, but in fairness, I think we're quite shocked about how...
2: Yes, possible. we are. Mm-hmm. Like Really, you know, I know on Dragon's Den, for anybody who has seen it, you know, people, Sarah Davis thought, well, you've got far too many niches going on here. And yeah. yes, to the average business person, mm-hmm. I suppose you have, but... To my knowledge, I have never known anyone put an erotic story in a handbag and we weren't doing it because we were trying to be the first, we literally were doing it because we were. We didn't want to be fashion people, we were just starting a business yeah. that we, making things we wanted and mm-hmm. Frida Rome will go beyond handbags, it's handbags now, but it will go, and that was always the plan, it was never going to be just a handbag no. business, it's just we had to start with one product. And we'd happen to be in, be in Morocco, and we've seen how things were done, and we knew that it had to be vegan, and it had mm. to be sustainable. Um, so it just sort of organically became what it is today. Um, but yeah, even I'm... if I, I this is the first time I've thought about it. But yeah, how crazy. <laughs> how crazy. Yeah, no, yeah. I like it.
0: It works. Yeah, I relate to you, Natalie, where you're mm. talking about being the adventurous one in the family that just has these random ideas and sort of goes off. And that's that's definitely been my sort of characteristic in my family of just being the kind of strange one that does these weird things and it's just walks in one day is like I want to be a freshman skateboarder and then next it's like I'm gonna start a business and then a week later it's like here's my vision for how I'm gonna take over the world (laughs)
1: exactly yes (laughs) yes
0: but in terms of like visions and stuff so we've gone into different aspects of free to roam but then how did how did like your friendship, as you said, you've kind of touched on there a little bit. Of, mm-hmm. You've both had these successful backgrounds. So, how did Free to Rome come to be? And what's the name? And also, like, you talked about both of you having successful careers. And so, mm-hmm. there's that element of walking away from a mm-hmm. successful right. career. To, <laughs> I don't know which person wants to start first, but yeah, how did Free to Rome come to be?
2: Yeah. I just thought for a long time it would be a good idea so we'd always operated quite separately hadn't we yeah. we'd never it it'd probably never really been discussed and then I think as we were getting older I must have said to you I think we should start a business together mm. or I don't know how serious but I honestly thought we should and the mm. reason being was just because of the way that we would be when we we're together so obviously Nat lived in Australia for 13 years so we would holiday we'd meet across the world um New York, wherever, Marrakesh. Mm-hmm. Um, Paris. Yeah, but and we would just, as soon as we met each other, it didn't matter how many years we hadn't seen each mm-hmm. other, it'd be like sparks flame. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, like, my confidence when I'm with Nat is so up. I mean, yes, we're on holiday. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it's, it's so up that I don't feel like there's nothing I could do. Mm-hmm. With me yeah. and, like with me and that together I don't feel like there's a wall we, we couldn't not like knock down um but obviously these are all and you'll know it yourself if you're a bit of a visionary these are all just ideas that are in the back of your mind you're sort of having this conversation with yourself but you're never really present for that conversation it's only mm-hmm. when you actually go ahead and do it that you're like well yeah I've, I've said all that I, mean, I thought yeah. all of that um so yeah for me it was a combination of Knowing that I thought doing something with Nat could be something special and should be done, and I didn't know why, even though I knew that was a subconscious feeling because conscious thought would suggest, don't work with your friend. Mm. That's going to be a nightmare. Mm. That's never going to work. But definitely subconsciously, I was being pushed towards that. Um, And
1: then... I think for me, it was... I think you touched on this just now, we hit a particular point in our ages, Mm. and I think we both, again, from opposite sides of the world, would have had this underlying gut feeling, something needs to change. Mm. And we didn't really talk about that as friends. We sort of just kept going, doing what we were doing, Mm. but I knew, and we came together eventually, and it all came out that both of us had this absolute like, gut feeling our lives need to take a real big turn. And mm. I mean like burning it all to the ground and starting again. <laughs> Genuinely. Yeah. Just I don't know why. And I think for me.
2: We were tired doing what we
1: were doing. Yeah, we? we were tired with our lives in yeah. where we were at and everything. And if only we could have just been satisfied. But <laughs> some people aren't like that.
2: And, and it is, it's an absolute torture. There it are is a torture. That are, there are people that are very happy with their job and their family and their lives and just keeping it steady and i get it and i love it i love to see people doing that i love to see people doing that but there are the others of us that will just never be able to settle Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when you are one of those people you don't realize it for such a long time but basically the minute everything gets settled you start ripping it up you want to make it harder you want to start challenging yourself you're looking up at what's up at the next level, mm. like, you, you almost, and that's what the problem was with me when I started, like, my conviction. I'd got to a great place. Everything was sorted, I didn't need to do it. My life was easy and comfortable and beautiful, so I was gonna have to tear it <laughs> So <laughs> that's, um, and I, I do think that's entrepreneurial spirit. I, mm. think, yeah, I think entrepreneurial spirit is when you can't, you are more dissatisfied with not pushing and trying than you are with
1: yeah. anything else basically
0: joy like, with pure ignorance and bliss yeah that's incredible because yeah the amount of like humans innately just don't like change and don't like to rock the boat and that's like what i find in business when it comes to trying to approach people like you're talking about having these kind of like visceral needs and wanting to work together and wanting to do mm. something like i have that and i will like express an interest and collaborate with people in some yeah. way whether it's like fine like co-founding together or mm-hmm. or like taking two complementary businesses and like let's merge or let's acquire one acquire the other and let's mm-hmm. create something massive out mm-hmm. of this and people will kind of feel excited by it mm-hmm. but then when it actually gets down to the details it's it's that oh no this is different this is mm-hmm. this is changed mm-hmm. i know at the moment my business can can feed the family and it can pay the rent mm-hmm. but if we do this interesting new idea mm-hmm. it's frightening It's yeah.
2: frightening, and there are no guarantees nice. and it is frightening but i am so pleased we went for it. Me too. Mm. And I think, the, the, and we've still got a long road to go. Mm. But I'm just so pleased I didn't choose
1: safe. No, and but I knew I also needed the camaraderie of Rebecca. I needed that partner mm. to know that when the when I did get those moments of like, what have I done? What am I doing? Mm. That she's there in the boat with me, and we're gonna we're no, gonna shut up. We have gotta keep going. So it was you know, as much as it's also very much getting into business with your best friend was, we weren't shy from the fact that it was like, we know what we're putting on the line here, Mm. which it could be that our friendship is destroyed as a result of this. We knew that, and I was like, okay, okay, I've got to factor that in, but I think that has been the best part of it as well is knowing that I've got this teammate next to me that when it starts to get a bit tough, Mm. that that other person Mm doesn't let you fall.
0: Has I, it tested your friendship?
2: Yeah and no. Yes and no, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not been easy. It's not been a bed of roses, but I think because of the kind of people that we are, when it is, when it is, are we quite like it. Yeah,
1: we do have a little ruckus, and then it's like, so, oh, that felt good. <laughs>
2: so yeah, we will, like, we're not, we're not the same people. We do have different ways of working, very mm. different. I'm all about strategy, planning. Nat's all about... I mean, I don't know if you've ever come across human design. Sorry to get all woo-woo, but Nat's a generator. I'm a manifesting generator, so I, I'm i okay with pushing forward, but I'm not great at all of the little steps that it takes to make that really mm-hmm. neat parcel and make yeah. it all work. Whereas Nat can do all of that. She wants to go step by step and make it all right. And I've noticed, whether or not this is true, I'm not a human design lover. I just, This is just a little thing I've noticed, that... Um, all of the most successful um, progressive relationships I've had in my life have been with someone who is a generator and a manifesting generator. Yeah, what
3: feel free to means. get rid of that.
1: <laughs> we, we used to say that it was uh, in a sillier like vibe, but we used to say Rebecca comes with all these pearls and I'll string them together and make the necklace. Mm. Oh, mm.
3: that's
0: quite wonderfully put.
2: Mm. That's, <laughs> that's how we're making things. Yeah. So. So yeah, it has tested our relationship. Yeah. We will argue. We are two different people. We had not. We had spent thirteen years meeting every couple of years and having fun, having fun on mm. a holiday. Um, and so, but I think we are. We are, and we have been really good at just getting it out. Yeah. But it took some getting around. So Nat's a bit more emotional than me when it comes to, and I'm a bit more.
1: I'm an emotional person but how would you say um uh, anything else? No, it's like you don't want you your your eyes on the prize and you don't want to let anything get in your way of what will effectively um how do I put it if it's gonna get us if it's not gonna get us anywhere mm. she won't address it until later <laughs> whereas I might come in and go oh but you know the feeling the feeling of it and she's like Put that aside because we have to focus on that.
3: Mm.
1: You know, it's very much a lot of like, she will be up there keeping an eye out on where we're heading. And I'll just be on the back end trying to fix the wheels. <laughs>
2: Before they fall
3: off. Before they fall going,
1: But there's one down the hill. And says, Don't worry, we'll carry on with three. It's fine. We'll just
2: keep going. We'll keep going. But it's actually quite funny. Because when we started in a co-working space, we would bicker across the table. <laughs> but because of the type of people we are, we're both, we're, we're both very private. So we would start bickering. And it would be quiet. And then someone walked past and like, Morning. Hiya. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> so we just found our way I think one of the things that helped was right back on in the early days I think because with you doing a lot of the creative writing and things mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. I think creative people struggle with feedback and criticism or anything like that and I would just be I want what is best for yeah. the company so it's only, I'm only saying things on that level not that it was ever really about the writing, but things. It was that between you, I think, as a, and you're quite a great presenter, actor, all those types of things. And I think you've got that artistic sort of, do you know, uh,
1: I'm putting my heart and soul yeah, into yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm putting myself out there a lot. Yeah. I remember those early days. I remember it feeling like you know, you would tell me though, very uh, very much so of like I only want the best. So unless you're going to give me the best, don't bother, because it will constantly be like, no, no, no. And so it actually was a really good learning for me to be able to actually tweak and craft myself. Because if I hadn't been critiqued, I would never have pushed myself harder mm. to go, actually, no, it's not good enough. So that was good, having that feedback, even though it, initially it was a bit like, oh, you're bringing the ego, <laughs> you're hurting the... You're hurting me. Yeah, that's
2: it, isn't it? It's ego, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And I think that's one thing we've both lost over time yeah i think
1: so yeah a lot of the ego's gone away
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you have
2: to drop it you do you do you have a think, little bit from <clears throat> a bit of a fight now and again when you're about to up against something but but generally I yeah think that'll be what it is yeah
1: i also think that we found where we were initially at loggerheads about the ways we work actually it complements each other and that's one thing that you know we never had to compete for anything because one was good at this and the other one was better at something else. So it was always like that's been the balancing act for us to realise, well, when I'm not, I'm like, oh, God, I'm not very confident about this part. I know Rebecca can handle that and vice versa. So it's a really... That's important. All that said, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. No. <laughs> and that's it. I was about to say, oh,
2: yeah. I still would never say, don't do it with a friend. <laughs> because we have lost certain things because of it, and maybe we'll get them back, and that's because we're at the early stage of our business. So mm. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. It's a 24-hour process. Mm. Yeah, um, You'll know yourself in the business. So when we try and have fun now, <laughs> it is, we have to, it's just not the same, is it? No. Unless we really... Because we're always going to be the two girls wearing it on our shoulders. Yeah. Um, so I think that is one thing that we have had to sacrifice. And, you know, I think later on down the line, that might be easier again. Or maybe it's just getting older.
1: I don't know. Maybe. But I do think you're right. I think because I've we have always, always been we're... a lot of fun. It's <laughs> always been a lot of fun. We'll get into a room now, and because we always know that there's a conversation that could lead back to business... Mm-hmm that it's difficult that you can't look at one another and just be like and just go mad because you go hang on a minute we also have to think and to really park that is a tricky thing to do so I do agree Mm -hmm. and I don't know I don't think it's gone forever but yeah maybe in the same respect we do we are growing up we are getting older so it might be a different version a tamer version of what it was before Mm -hmm. but
2: I just wouldn't recommend it because I know it is difficult and I think we've been quite lucky Mm. to bring it about how we have. Mm -hmm. And having seen, I've worked with other people in the past and having seen other people work with friends, it's so hard, but we actually haven't made it that hard. No. Um, So yeah, don't do it kids.
0: (laughs) It's phenomenal just sitting here listening because like even as you're answering the questions and it just occurred to me like, here... I haven't really got to do much this is like the easiest podcast I've ever <laughs> but you you two it's like your brains are almost working together because as soon as one person stops the sentence the other person's got the, the following point yeah and well you
2: picked up on my point that my brain had wandered off and thought, yeah and then and like, oh thank god and yet he's got it, it
0: to me. Yeah. yeah you don't talk over each, each other at all it just seems to perfectly work that as soon as one person goes quiet the other person knows he's like it's, it's is
2: it funny to watch Yes. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. But uh, on what's the um, free to Rome? Where did we spoke yeah. about it before we started recording? <laughs> yeah, free to yeah. Rome. So it only occurred to me as I was like stalking through the Instagram earlier today that it's free to Rome, yeah. free to Rome. But you said like there's all kinds of meanings behind it. So what is the name? Yeah. So this obviously it's not your names because no, that's what I was about confused about. Yeah, with.
2: No, this came about. Um, we were working it out over. A FaceTime, or oh, was it Skype back then? I don't know, before, oh, I feel before like everyone I'm... was using Zoom, it was before that. <laughs> the, um, I was on the sofa, I remember that. Probably FaceTime. Yeah. Uh, and we were throwing things backwards and forwards. And when we started Free before it became Free de we weren't sure where we were going. And because we were friends, we very much wanted to slowly keep going with it, prototype it between us, and let's see if we burn out and get bored. Hmm. Because I think I'm probably a bit like you, think of a good business idea I want. To, I think it's going to be the next big thing and I want to do it but you know usually those ideas soon burn out when reality hits this one carried on um, so we wanted a strong female influence, I'd actually just watched Salma Hayek in Frida Kahlo film and there's a scene where she walks into this market and I was like that's not, nah. <laughs> that is not nah. like there's just the spirit of it did she nick a orange or something, something like, like that, that. yeah Whatever she does, and I didn't, I didn't know much about Frida Kahlo before I watched that film, but she's a vivacious character, um, and she's just got what I would call the spirit of what we have as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so strong female influence. So we're knocking around Frida, and then and then Rome, as in the Empire, mm-hmm. and then that's going yeah, and it's like Frida Rome because obviously we want the Frida Rome sort of. Muse the free to roam person is free to roam. She's independent. You know, mm. freedom's a big thing. Um, and then Nat started joking, yeah, and it's like all oh, the animals will be free to roam. And we were joking backwards and forwards. And I just went, that's it. That's the next that's it. So this is good, it. Yeah. And again, it wasn't because I thought it was good. It wasn't because I thought it was right. It was that gut feeling. We can carry on talking, but I already know this is this it. it. That's
0: um, cool. There's so much to it. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Even when we saw the the logo, so much it's you know it's basically mm. the name. But we were like, that's it. There's mm-hmm. no you know. One shot at a
2: logo, we went
1: yeah
3: done. <laughs> and, and that's the, cost effective. Yeah. The yeah. guys, the guys
1: <laughs>
2: who were doing our logo were were wanting us to experiment and do do more, and we sort of allowed that. But we were like, wasting you, wasting noise. your time. Just yeah. we, we're done. Give us give us
0: what we want. Yeah. That's incredible. Two minds come together, and you instantly there's that you look at them and like, yeah we're done we're wow. happy mm. yeah perfect
2: I love having that feeling now yeah, yeah. I that's only that come with age I think uh, but it's just from listening to my gut I just you just I mean I don't know if you get this yourself but you just get a feeling um, and now when I hear other people talking about things I'm like don't even discuss it anymore that's mm. it it's done mm. I did this this week but I don't know what it was like we <laughs> yeah. have um Oh, yeah, I've got a new idea. Great, I yeah, know. That's, that's it. I was going to say, it. I know what yeah, it is. Do want to talk about it, so we've got it. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Mm.
0: So how did you choose your target audience? Because, so this is like reflecting back on the Dragon's Den scene, and it was Tuka, I think, that mentioned about that when he was kind of critiquing the business model and saying like that mid-range is mm. really hard to sell to, and really hard yeah. to break into. People yeah. either want a £40 pound handbag or they want a four grand handbag. Mm. So in looking at your brand and looking what it is and what it stands for and that as you, as, um, as you are in that like subpar niche yeah, as it yeah. is, mm-hmm. I feel like your brand could be, the handbags could be four grand. They could. They absolutely could. But we don't want to be that. Yeah. Okay. We've never
3: wanted to be that. Um, mm. I
2: certainly didn't. I don't think you did. No. We wanted to be access- in, in a range where you know you're getting something a little bit special. Mm. It's not, you know, a £30 accessorised handbag. No (laughs) offence, accessorised. And actually, I would love to bring the price down a little, but unfortunately, because of the way we are choosing to do things, it's impossible. Mm. So we actually don't charge as much as what we should for our bags because we are trying to alter that for, you know, we're trying to keep it as cheap as possible for the customer, but cheap's not the word. Um, But I know that sort of two nine five range even maybe if we could bring it down a little bit but the fabrics that we use the way that we manufacture Mm -hmm. the way we choose to make a bag that is like no other bag out there in terms of what it does Mm. it's all expensive and it it costs us to make those bags more than what i would say 90 percent of people would even pay for a handbag just Mm -hmm. for us to have it delivered to us um and that is the price you pay for working with innovative materials being Mm. a small brand of course um, and we were initially working um, within the UK, and now we're in Spain, um, but yeah, it, it does come at a price. Mm,
1: yeah, and I think, I mean, yes, it is a niche that we're in, in regards to it being a vegan product, but we've always tried to, again, it's that bridging of the gap, like Rebecca said earlier, if you want people to come over to that other side, mm. you've got to present it in a way that it feels like it's an attainable thing or it's something that other people that aren't vegan mm-hmm. do want because they like the style, not just because it's vegan, mm-hmm. just because of the mm-hmm. erotic element. It's like we knew ourselves in that transitioning period going vegan. Um, I think eventually most people will, but it's, it is also holding on to those aspects of what you loved about style, design, as well, and I think that trying to marry those things together um, is, is partly where we've positioned ourselves in that market. It's about going, or actually, you don't just need a vegan bag that at the time, especially for us, we found that there was just nothing that really spoke to us as, as just, just people that like something that looks a bit different, a bit masculine, maybe a bit um, edgy, you know. So, it's all of those aspects as well is trying to find the person that also feels that way that they're not just being targeted with a vanilla colored you know simple bag that you'd find on the shelves of john lewis again no, no. i do
2: think Tuka's <laughs> right though I, I do think he's right yeah it, it is incredible. a market you should never aim for yeah. but i don't know why it is that people are against it so much because i would have put myself as someone in that market
0: hope you're enjoying the conversation i'm just interrupting with we don't have any official sponsors on the podcast so i'm going to use this opportunity to shout about some benevolent businesses that i see in the world that i use myself personally that i want to encourage you to try out and just get the best out of what businesses have to offer so i'm going to be shouting about Huel. i became a hooligan a few months ago and it was actually because they sponsored direct ceo podcast with stephen bartlett and stephen bartlett was always screaming about it and talking about it so yes of course there's huge benefits i tried it out purely based on the idea that as i'm trying to become more and more plant-based and i'm vegetarian but i'm trying to be more vegan Huel is a great way for me to kind of increase that as it's completely plant-based it's vegan i don't use it as a meal supplement but i do use it as a way to just get more protein and more vitamins and minerals into my diet on a daily basis before i talk to you about the biggest benefit i'll mention some of the downsides really is i started by trying the ready to drink huels and i have to be honest they are disgusting they taste far anyone that can say they taste nice i just can't agree with don't understand how you can enjoy the taste of it something that's wrong with your taste buds but i pursued kept trying and in the end i bought the bags where you mix it yourself i got the black edition with the extra protein those i do get along with a lot better but do be prepared with that it is something that the taste isn't there but the health benefits are definitely there when you actually go through the ingredients and what it's full of it is incredible they can fit into one drink being 400 calories despite the fact it's 40 grams of protein it's got 26 vitamins and minerals in it and the biggest biggest benefit I've seen is uh, my hobby, skateboarding. Straight away, I found if I drank a Huel, I was suffering a lot with like fatigue. So I would go skate, come home, and the next day, like my thighs would be aching, legs are aching all over, just from like wearing myself out. Yet, I found if I drank a Huel, because of all the nutrients I'm getting and the extra protein, of course, my legs were fine. I literally, my recovery time went from like a day or two to zero. I didn't need any recovery time. I could go skate day after day, and in fact, I'm. In Jamaica right now, on a six week trip volunteering, I've had a hule, brought a heel with me, which again, helps out massively. It's just a way for me to boost the nutrients I'm getting on a day-to-day basis. And I literally have run out the last few days and I've noticed my legs are aching where I'm trying to skate, but because I'm not getting my fuel each day, I'm aching, so I can't wait to get home a yeah, fresh batch check it out for yourself let me know what you think if you like it, if you don't and of course the other thing i will mention is i did talk about the taste and not liking it so much however you can mix it up create all kinds of different shakes and whatnot people have done some incredible things so check them out on instagram you'll get all kinds of inspiration there back to the podcast
2: mm. so but i love new brands i don't love heritage brands mm. i don't want a name that everyone knows all over my bag um so i literally always thought about it from how i would have placed it and i did buy bags in those category but yeah i, I know where he was coming from and it's a good point but it doesn't matter for us because mm. i said it's not actually making a difference for us mm. and i think if we commit to it and we're committing for all the right reasons we're not putting it in that bracket to make extra profit we're putting it in that bracket because we want to be able to make the product that we want to make um and I think sometimes you can't cut corners on that, mm. and I think our customers yeah. will
0: probably be behind us with that one. Yeah. So it's like lowering the, the lowering the barriers to entry, so it's more fit, more cost cost effective you can be. Mm-hmm. But then part of me wonders to challenge the idea I guess, yeah, a little yeah, bit different. is when I think of like these brands that are like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, um, Louis Vuitton, and that kind of thing mm-hmm. is. Like when you think of the affordability and that barrier to entry, but sometimes the fact that they are that much unaf- or that much more unaffordable, mm-hmm. it puts them on this pedestal as they're more recognizable. Mm-hmm. And also, like the there are many people that I would say can't, afford, well, probably ninety percent of their customers can't actually afford their products, mm-hmm. but they buy them because yes. it is that status symbol. Mm-hmm. But then I wonder. So then I think, why not take advantage of that opportunity? Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're you might even be able to use it as a marketing strategy to be like. Mm-hmm. This is the most expensive vegan luxury handbag you could buy. But yeah. then, I think also to counter my own argument, there's something else that comes with that, and mm-hmm. it's this: you're taking away the authenticity of what your brand is because it's then about this money thing, and it's mm-hmm. all about profits. And so, I agree. <sighs> I suppose I've there's, just... Uh, there's,
2: no, there's no guarantee that we won't go yeah. down. Yeah. Because we don't know what we're going to make next. And really, yeah. we, we, we come up with a design before we come up with a price. So obviously a lot of businesses in the fashion world will be like, it's got to be made for this price. We don't work like that. So mm. I really want to make an amazing champagne case. Yeah. been <laughs> talking about that champagne case. I don't case know if well. anyone will buy it. I don't know if we'll ever make it. But yeah. if we choose to make that with the types of materials that we do and everything... It'll be an expensive it number. It just
0: won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: So Well, and your
0: customer base, who's going to buy a champagne case? It's not going to be, like, your average person.
2: Exactly, but they should, because yeah. it's great for a party. Yeah, yeah basically, it's like a handbag where your champagne <laughs> and your glasses go in, because this is what we do. So, r- rightly or wrongly, you know, every, <laughs> every place I go, in fact, you're lucky I've not got them today, mm. I have champagne coupes in a box, <laughs> I go around to people's houses and I pull them out and people go, well, You've not honestly brought your own glasses out here. I'm like, Yeah, because I didn't know if you had any champagne coupes. Have you got champagne coupes? No, oh brilliant. <laughs> well <laughs> well here we are. <laughs> so um uh, you know, I think I think the thing is as much as we want it to be attainable because we also want to be able to have the fun aspect and have yes. a community around mm. us as well and not be pretentious, overly so. But there is a certain element to the brand that is, you know, Luxury, Because we want... When somebody buys a bag, it's more about the feeling that they get buying the bag. No one buys a bag because they desperately need to put their, their things in something. They already own something mm. that does that. They buy a bag because they think, and we want them to feel like this with us, um, that that, if I wear that, that represents me. And mm. so what we're trying to do, and as I said, it's not necessarily about bags, we'll be making all sorts of things, is that when somebody comes to Free to Roam, they walk away with something and they have a spring in their step Mm. and they're like, yes, you know, and they go and have a laugh and they show the story to people, whatever it may be. Now it's bags, but we want people to put them on and just love that they've got something that is, you know, as cheeky as they are, but looks great, you know, as we say, sophisticated on the outside, naughty on the inside. Mm. Um, And as vegans, it's really hard to come across someone that says that. (laughs) But then,
0: so when I was... Like doing more research, one thing I came across is the when you actually go to purchase a bag, you can have the the saint or sinner, which I thought was really cool. Actually, the the, the idea of saint and sinner that was a really cool, like marketing term. But then I thought, not having the the story in the bag kind of takes away from one of my standout components of the brand. Yeah. So I was curious, how come you've got that option?
2: Well, it kind of again was organic. Do I it let was... you go on this one. Oh, yeah. It's fine. I Hammers mean, a donkey here.
1: We well, funnily enough, it was it was an organic thing. But I do recall we had a friend of ours go. I'd love to buy that bag for my mum, mm. but he went. I just don't think I can give her a something uh. with a bit of sex in it. And we went absolutely. Well, we get that. So, I mean, we are potentially looking at an offering in the Saint bag that isn't just without the erotic story either. So, because mm. it is about. Um, uh, evoking a feeling as Rebecca's mentioned so really uh, for us we just knew there were going to be those circumstances yeah. mothers buying for young children or you yeah. know a lot of mothers buying for daughters yeah we are others buying, buying for, for sisters
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and they just think perhaps not I know I mean don't get me wrong the majority of people love that aspect yeah so we th- there isn't as many on the saint side but it is one of those things that we just thought we just have to allow for that Um, I also think in the
2: early days as well we didn't know how popular it was going to be and it was also like we didn't want to scare people off that really liked the bag Mm. because obviously a lot of what we're doing is about giving people an easy transition to veganism Mm. without feeling like they're having to compromise on, on things so we were kind of aware of that at the beginning yeah. but obviously we became acutely aware of it when people wanted it for them all. I mean that was just, <laughs>
0: yeah. I think that's a huge I think that would be a huge marketing thing of saint and sinner yeah. literally like the second you land on the website are you a saint or a sinner
1: that's
2: exactly we what we're doing that. yeah we be doing exactly that, yeah,
0: so yeah. and I think that's that could be a huge yeah. thing and we'd like, love to
2: be able to do that and get people on a journey going either way yeah. off, but like we have no dreaming big is not a problem <laughs> <laughs> time <laughs> is an issue yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah time is an issue But yeah, we we will be seeing that. Oh, good. I look forward to it.
0: What's been the biggest unexpected discovery since starting this together for each of you? There's a lot of uncertainties when you start a business, so I'm curious whether it's in the manufacturing, whether it's working with a friend, whether it's managing cash flow and stuff. But what's been the
2: tricky one? Biggest. I would say our resilience. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised we've got what we've got in us. Mm.
1: I was about to say, to to wake up every day and actually just have the want to keep going. Mm. <laughs> you do sometimes feel like you're in the face of it and it's like yeah. how it can be just put myself to bed and wake up the next day um, and carry on is mm. one aspect. But the other one I think that is really important and this comes back to how differently we work. Mm-hmm. I was... A, we'd mentioned I worked in TV, which is very stressful. Mm. You feel like you're just always up against it. And I never allowed myself that time to enjoy my life in a way I would always put work first. Mm. I would often miss out on things because of that. And it wore me down to the point where it was like, this is crippling my personality as a result. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm still having a great load of fun in, the, in, in there, still. And then there were a lot of the times I would escape to go and meet Becca in other countries. But this job has definitely reminded me why we did this in the first place. And that was that we wanted something where passion and fun came first. And that, allowing myself those moments, sometimes it's when we put the, you know, shut the laptop down, decide we're having fun, the tills ring over and over. Mm-hmm. And you think mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, an energy, it's a feeling, it's a mm. difference, it's that moment when you realise it doesn't always have to be about being on it and being mm. hard work, we'll never, you never rest, you never have No, fun. we're
2: not your traditional YouTube entrepreneurs. <laughs> <laughs> we have frozen margaritas in the office. Yeah, we'll have at nice. 10 in the morning. We'll dance. In fact, we danced before we came here with Ethan.
0: Your point there about that your resilience and waking up in the morning, being able to crack on, that's got to be, for me, that's the thing I always missed in being a solo founder is on those days it's got the biggest thing to the biggest benefit although there could be the altercations the challenges the arguments and whatnot. but on those days when you're just like why am I
3: doing this Mm. (laughs) why don't I give up
0: having that co-founder to be like we're doing it it's interesting
2: that you've said that but I'm actually going to throw it straight back to you before I answer your question Mm. but do you feel like you can't give up
0: Uh, I don't know if it's a sensation of can't give up but it's, it's in my head I've had days when it's just like the the, I don't even know the shit that's just been thrown yeah, at. You. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's in my head. There's just not. It's not a viable. Not. That it's not a viable option. But it's just. It doesn't exist. no Yeah. It will. That's it okay. will. It will adapt. It will evolve. So like my business, I went through a whole collapse. Lost all my staff. Built up. Had like nine people work with me. Lost all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones I didn't lose, I had to get rid of because I couldn't support it. Mm-hmm. And now, it's only in the last couple of weeks, different opportunities come along where I could be building a company again. Mm-hmm. But even through all of it, it's never a case of give up. It's just a case of it will adapt and evolve to what it is. And so my business went from being this, like, building this, well, trying to build this, like, organisation, this corporation, to becoming a lifestyle business. So, like, right now, I've just got this lifestyle business. I work three mornings a week. Mm -hmm. And then I just have passions and hobbies and stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas it could alter and change again. But, yeah, I can't. It's, uh, it will always just be. I can't imagine not having a business in some way. Yeah.
3: I
2: just, yeah. just recognised, yeah. I, I only asked you because I recognised it, because I know sometimes I feel like on the really difficult days or when something's gone wrong, mm. or it might have gone wrong for months, Um. you know, any sane person would be like, just give up. But there's a part of me, and I know you're like, yeah. why can't? Why won't I just die? No matter how, <laughs> her, no matter how many times <clears throat> I get punched in the face on this, yeah. I, why I do can't, I keep getting not. back up? It's like, failure is not an option and I don't, I I just, when you said that, I thought you must have the same sort of thing, is that I have no option but I just, I can't, I can't lay down.
0: Mm. When you reflect on business though, so like all of those challenging days and stressful times, but if I was going to have a conversation with someone about my company and like just my business acumen and what I've learned over the years, all the good days, the days where I don't know, we suddenly made more money than we'd ever thought we'd make Mm -hmm. in a day, or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. or best month ever. Doesn't really matter. It's the shittiest times, the hardest times. Mm -hmm. When people are like, tell me the biggest things about what you've learned in business and that. It'll be like, I had a client that was out to destroy me. I've had multiple clients that are out to destroy me. Mm -hmm. Like, they would probably have a pipe on my gravestone. And that I learned more than anything from those clients. The Mm -hmm. clients that pay me on time, always smile, always pleasant. Easy to deal with. Yeah. Don't learn anything. They're yeah. just they're just refreshing.
2: Well, they're angels. great. They're all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they, they are. are fantastic yeah, I'd love to have yeah. more of we them. We love those people. Yeah, yeah. but the yeah.
0: ones that are just you have hard hard customers. But I've had as said, like two clients I'd say that literally want to destroy me and put energy, money, time and effort and collaborate to destroy. People me. are just nasty yeah. yeah, they just are. And uh, they don't think they are though. It's it's they're doing what's right and they're they're the good guys. Everyone thinks they're the good In guys, their but head. yeah. But that's I what, don't know you learn what I've learned from. To them. Maybe, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, maybe assume,
2: I assume whatever you did was not going to destroy you, know, maybe I don't
1: know.
0: Yeah. yeah, how bizarre. Yeah, but that's that's what I think. And like, you have those horrible days, but they're the things that in ten years' time, mm-hmm. but you're like, so like this year, I've had the worst time financially. I made some very bad mistakes, mm-hmm. and I've never known stress like it—financial stress—and having like tens of thousands of pounds on the line and waving goodbye to it in a click and. I'm going through it and I've got better with it but I just know that in five years, ten years, twenty years time I'm going to laugh about it. I'm going to be like yeah, yeah, the yeah. reason I've made
3: Yes,
0: I can, I'm can. Sure, i sure and I'm certain that in thirty years time I'll be like I made a million quid here because of I lost this money here that yeah, seems yeah, insignificant yeah, yeah, yeah. now but because of that lesson I made a million quid. Oh here. I love your blind faith. It's yeah. what we all
2: need. It is, it is what we all run on. Then, you, <laughs> you don't know how it's going to you don't know how it's going to end up and I think if you, if you are running a business where you know how it's going to go it's going to be a really boring business and it's probably not going to be anything different mm. um, but yeah, I, that's one of the things I do love about business is one day, we had no idea we were going to end up on Dragon's Den mm. we had no idea, we didn't apply for it we happened to get an email from the researcher yeah. who asked us to apply for it but at no point in my life, in my life plan was there going to be going on Dragon's mm. Den
0: yeah, it's interesting. And I always think, like, if you just pan out of, like, this, uh, uh, is it philosophical or whatever the term is? But just, we're literally on this floating rock in the middle of nowhere. That's, and then why would just, we any have it? And, and of it? Do yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> when you start going into the big thoughts and the big questions, <laughs> yeah.
0: you're like, all right,
1: you're convincing. It's
2: over. Let's fly out tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, was, I have a stat that I always remind myself of, that I kind of live... No. I just it's always something interesting that's in my head and it's your chance you know what your chances of existing as you, as the individual, as the individual you are today, your chances of existence. What it is.
2: You go from like it. millions it? to one isn't it, like
0: one in four hundred trillion. Oh there wow. So yeah. for you to exist as you are
2: So we really are unique.
0: Yeah, exactly. For the for the man and woman that came together to create you had to do it the exact moment and it had to be that egg, that sperm cell, but also the people that created them. The people mm-hmm. literally the entirety of of the universe's existence had to happen the exact way it did for you to exist mm-hmm. i'm just like when if i have like ludicrous ideas and people be like you're never gonna there's like a one in a million chance of that will work and i'm like well i've already beat it's them. not bad odds beat yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. I think, like the odds of me existed a one in 400 trillion so if this idea is a one this in a million pretty it's,
3: big yeah big it's big easy big.
0: <laughs> but yeah but i'll come on to the final questions i feel like i could have this conversation all night long mm-hmm. the final questions Closing tradition of this podcast. The first question is, what is one thing that exists within the world today that you hope will one day be eradicated?
2: Meat eaters. Hmm?
1: Meat eaters. Meat eaters. <laughs> one thing in the world that exists today I hope will be
2: eradicated. No offence. Not dead meat eaters. You all go vegan, <laughs> sorry.
0: <laughs> Everybody to transition. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, Terribly poor. Yeah, um, Oh god, that's a tough one. So many. <laughs> there's so many. I've got a bit this video. Cancer. cancer. Just get rid. Just Hit go.
2: Cancer. Two very different answers. Yeah, I don't actually. I wouldn't even agree with that either. Hmm. I think I'm more um, nihilist than you are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm that into humans, thing no, I'm, not, I'm not against them, but I look at I look at how we play out. I, I do think. I probably shouldn't do this on this podcast, but I do think how foolish. Does one have to be to destroy its own environment?
3: Mm.
1: Well, no, I think, yeah, ridiculous. to mm. some extent, Mother Nature does take over and goes, Come on, you're gonna. And in some respects, I think that's also a thing. It is a way of just dealing with the masses in its own effect. Yeah. Because we are slowly destroying it ourselves anyway. So maybe Pretty that's quickly. another aspect of, like, you know, something also fighting back. But if i had my my choice i would like to eradicate cancer i
2: feel like i could answer your question a million times yeah there's so many options so negative but they'll be will <laughs> get down to minutia of people they'll start knowing who it is <laughs> no. i feel like for me i would just love to get rid of any meat eating um yeah i think it's on this scale of people it's pointless I have, yeah i have no issue with people who want to hunt um or you know live off the land i'm okay with that um but yeah alright let's say factory farming that's easy. I was gonna say it
1: was yeah. probably for me it would be more the cruelty aspect
0: yeah. it's
1: not milk, for the that yeah then. if anything the milk and dairy industry is worse than it is for slaughtering the animal putting it out of his misery yeah like that's that pretty gross doesn't compute to some people what happens that question back to you how would you answer yeah. it
0: yeah oh no one's ever done that oh oh wow it's actually quite hard to answer well no you know damn I'm sorry I've just <laughs> just realised the pressure that everyone yeah. feels
1: is it
0: that client <laughs> I think one it's just because it feels relevant I suppose it's always just in the moment of what feels the most relevant but I'd love to eradicate the this component within the human brain to identify the negative first and to focus on it and I feel like when I if I was to go through Instagram and just look at what comments are if someone does I don't know, some big news outlet puts a post up and you read the comments. And I just remember one, exa- one example that sticks out in my head is, is with um, uh, Starlink, so st- SpaceX or like oh, Elon oh, Musk oh, with oh, SpaceX oh, and Starlink. Yeah. And so when it comes to a, a country in catastrophe, Starlink will send out satellites so that there's free internet access so then people can communicate. And yeah. it's like, this is free, just communicate. So it did it with Ukraine, did it with Iran. Mm-hmm. And yet you'll go through the comments and people will just hate on it and be like, oh, look, another billionaire is doing something to control people. And I'm like, they're literally just doing something to help. And it's like yeah, yeah. the world doesn't need your negative opinion on it. So yeah. I think just if, if, if I could eradicate that negative bias so that people always fall. And just as well, I think it'd do a lot to help people's interactions with each other. If you didn't assume the worst in people and, and instead paused and thought, I don't agree with what they've just done, but. I'll remove that negative like they probably did it for this reason and it's mm. more positive yeah. so I think I that's think what it's I like write. close mindedness you're not yeah. into but yeah.
2: the um, yeah I agree with you people do come at things often from a very negative standpoint I mean I don't mind if it's a full argument I don't mm. mind if you really know your stuff so if you're going to knock somebody down if they're a billionaire or whatever it's because you really do know the, Have voice. the research, yeah. but I don't like it when it's generally just cast out because it's been popular on YouTube for a month or so yeah but
3: yeah.
0: it's quite a hard question to answer. But the final so I always I had that as a final question and I changed <laughs> it. <laughs> I added, added another question because I always felt that's a negative point to close on and being benevolent business I wanted to close on something mm-hmm. more positive. So the final question is just what is one piece of benevolent news that you would like to share to close the podcast with Natalie and Rebecca? It could be anything in your personal life, it could be about your business, it could be something you read. Oh I wish I'd heard you this
2: before so I could have thought about it. <laughs> no. Good news.
0: Something good just to close and share and have something positive to end with.
2: There's so many. I'm not going quiet because there's <laughs> so many. Oh, I don't want to waste it by saying it's great that Liz Truss has left. I was just <laughs> about to say, Paul. Like well, well, hold it, back, well, don't go political. That's fine, it's very current. Yeah. It's very current, but I, I don't want to waste the answer on that.
0: Especially given that my answer to the previous one was to eradicate the negative (laughs) Yeah.
1: I wanna tell you some really good news. I know, I'm like, what
2: Huh. I had a great fortieth birthday. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's good. I had a great fortieth birthday. Um come on, Paul. Oh god, my mind has gone blank about (laughs) it. I think you can cut the, desperately, cut the gaps think. out or figure something out.
1: Yeah, oh my god,
3: I mean, I can think of loads, but they're pointless. But the uh, like it's not news to share with the masses I don't
1: think. Mm-hmm. Or just how great Ethan is. I know he is amazing, he works for us, It's amazing, amazing
2: mm-hmm. person. No, that's not
1: an right amazing thing something? to yeah. share. Yeah, he yeah. is, spread yeah, the light, yeah, yeah. shine
0: he the light on something, doing a great job.
1: Yeah, he is he's incredible um oh god I, I don't know why is this so hard <laughs> oh, this is so hard <laughs> honestly I can't even I can't even think of anything good news
0: the world can't be that dark no that's <laughs> not, not like that it's just it is so <laughs> and that is the issue it is <laughs>
1: It's more like, yeah, what's relevant? What's something that would be... Effective. I told you to
0: so- share something negative. You'd probably have about 10 things. Oh. Well, well the economy. I, mean, I, can, I can do loads Politics. of positive. I mean, I'm trying to think of
1: all the
2: fantastic, you know, dog rescue stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, no, there's... But I, all that's running through my mind right now is the negative, And weirdly, it's all related to Truss. Yeah. I don't know why.
0: That's the human condition, though. The human brain intuitively is concentrating on the negative because it just goes back to... Oh, ancestral times of when we lived in caves and roamed the land—you would need to concentrate on the negative because your survival depended on it. Yeah. But the thing
2: is, we actually don't normally occupy like that. No, sorry, don't normally work like that. But what I would have probably told you is that we were going to have a part Halloween party next week with a human buffet as the yeah. centerpiece. I mean, that's great news. But, yeah, but we've cancelled it. Ah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it's not going ahead so yeah we've cancelled it <laughs> oh, because
2: a friend of ours wants to bring her friend and it's male and it's all a surprise um, so I don't want to make the human buffet feel uncomfortable within you the know planet, really. it's uncomfortable enough I suppose being surrounded by people mm-hmm. eating off you so
0: What's it? what buffet. is a human buffet? It's
3: basically
1: it's a person laying on a table giving up their body for you for the evening to dress them perfectly beautifully in food and letting people come in and eat off of them. It sounds a bit
0: un- unhygienic, but they do have,
1: they have napkins between the food and <laughs> <in> their body. <laughs> yeah. I've
0: never heard of that. Yeah,
1: I think it was a traditional thing that it was always with sushi, which we have done before. We had that last year. Yeah, We had like a butler in the bath come and lay on the dining table, you know, with funky mask on, not much else, a little bit of an apron, and then his whole body was just dressed with food. Wow. And the girls just loved it. It was just something different. Interesting. And he laid there for two hours straight. Just, <laughs> I was like, "Don't breathe too hard, because you'll knock this cake off your <laughs> area." So yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's why it is. It's just doing something with not much. So we're going to
2: push it to a Christmas one. Yeah. yeah. On that night, that's yeah. There you go. I've learned yeah. something. <laughs> So I can provide you with more good news. That feels like some yeah. good news. No men are harmed something. in the human buffets <laughs> It's a very respectful gathering. It is a respectful
0: <laughs> gathering. Amazing. Yes. Rebecca, Natalie, thank you so much.
2: Thank you very yeah. much. It's been a pleasure.